Witam serdecznie, to jest Telewizja w Realu 24. Ja nazywam się Piotr Szlachtowicz i dzisiaj naszym gościem w połączeniu internetowym jest bardzo, ale to bardzo ważny pisarz, publicysta, człowiek, który od wielu lat mówi prawdę. Zanim go przedstawię, przypominam o tym, że możecie wspierać Telewizję w Realu 24. Jeśli uważacie, że to, co robimy jest warte wsparcia, to widzicie numer konta na Waszych ekranach. A naszym gościem w połączeniu internetowym, tak jak powiedziałem, jest E. Michael Jones. Hello, sir. Good afternoon. Good uh, morning. I don't know what time is it now when you are, uh, but it's uh, noon. It's noon. So yeah. So hello. How you doing? Uh, nice to see you. Uh, thank you to agree for this interview for our station. Thank you for asking me, sir. Um, we are facing now, I would say, as a Catholic, as a Christian, the days. I wouldn't go that far. The days of. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the final days, but I would say that the uh, beginning of, um, I don't know, um, fulfilling a prophecy um, because we are just one day after the Amazon Synod. Uh, for sure you heard a lot about it. Uh, how you describe it? How you, general question, are we facing the end of the Catholic Church as we know it? Well, let's, let's be, start uh, at the beginning of the pontificate here. Uh, Pope Benedict resigned uh, because uh, he could not bring uh, the Vatican bureaucracy under his control. Uh, this uh, led to a crisis because no pope had resigned uh, for at least 800 years. And uh, this crisis allowed a group of people who had been in hiding almost uh, for 35 years to come back into power. Uh, I'm talking about the pontificates of Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict. Uh, these, these were the pontificates where the Catholic Church reasserted its teaching, mainly on sexuality, uh, which was a crisis in the West. And the group in hiding uh, was known as the Zankalen group, uh, named after the city uh, in Switzerland, uh, the diocese in Switzerland. This group represented a, a sexual accommodation with the American Empire. That's pretty much what it meant. And uh, these people came into power and people didn't understand what was going on because uh, Bergoglio, the man they chose, uh, did not seem like uh, someone who admired America. As a matter of fact, in later comments, it seems that he um, uh, basically did not like America because he felt that it was too conservative. The crucial, the crucial link here uh, is the Jesuits. Um, Pope Bergoglio, uh, Pope Francis, is a Jesuit. The Jesuits in the United States of America are the cutting edge of revolution in the church right now. The revolution in the church is basically an accommodation of the American empire. And the main accommodation that they are making to the American empire is the promotion of homosexuality. So you have a Jesuit like Father James Martin, who does nothing but promote homosexuality. He creates scandal in the Catholic Church. He came to Philadelphia and gave a speech in Philadelphia. Uh, the cardinal, the bishop, the, I'm sorry, the archbishop of Philadelphia, Archbishop Chapu, reprimanded France, uh, uh, James Martin for doing this. And James Martin said, uh, I have more power than you have because the Pope supports what I'm doing. So that, that's the source of the crisis right now. Now, to get to Poland, Poland is in a very good position to deal with this. 
Okay, I say this because I was in Poland uh, roughly f five years ago. During that time, I was doing a book tour for the Polish edition of Libido Dominandi, Sexual Liberation and Political Control. This is the operating system of the American empire, the use of sexual liberation as political control. I arrived in Warsaw. Uh, the book tour was to begin with in Warsaw. We are heading toward the offices, uh, the chancery office of the uh, archdiocese. The publisher is in the front seat of the car, and every two minutes he's getting a phone call telling him to cancel the book tour. There are going to be big demonstrations in Wrocław. There are going to be big demonstrations all over Poland. E. Michael Jones is an anti-Semite. Cancel the book tour. So we got to the chancery office. I met the chancellor of the archdiocese, went in and said a prayer, came out, and the chancellor said, don't worry. You're going to give your talk. And so I gave my talk in Warsaw. People lined up around the block to have signed copies of the book. We went next day to Wrocław. There were no demonstrators, no demonstrators in Wrocław. Six cop cars, no demonstrators. What the church, so to get back to my point, why is Poland in a good position here? Because the church in Poland has solidarity. If I had done this in Germany, first of all, I never could have done this in Germany. No one would invite, no one will translate my books in German, into German. If it had come to that fact, the German bishops probably would have thrown me under the bus. They would have, they would have canceled the talk. So the main reason the situation is good in Poland is because you have this solidarity of Catholic solidarity. The church stands with the people in Poland. The church is not representing the interest of oligarchs in Poland. Okay, so doctor, I'm in, I'm in, doctor, yes. but this, you, you know, we have this problem as well because uh, um, a lot of influential people from uh, uh, LGBT movement is uh, pushing and pushing and trying to put, um, uh, you know, some kind of pressure on uh, on uh, um, highest rank uh, cardinals in Polish church. And, you know, the position is a weakened. So, you know, we face it is the same. And, you know, the journalists, the, the Catholic journalists like me, after this uh, Amazon Senate, uh, I'm, I'm really terrified. I don't know really how it's going to be because it seems like it's um, the end of the church as we know it. No, it's not. It is, I guarantee you, quote me, I'm saying it's not the end of the church. It may seem like the end of the church, but it's not the end of the church. I was in Argentina uh, years after that. I'm talking to a man in Argentina from an ancestral Hispanic, Hispanic family, Catholic family. He was talking exactly the way you were. It's the end of the church. And then I get an email from a man from Poland saying, between your book, namely my book, the translation of Libido Dominandi, and the Polish bishop's statement on gender ideology, we destroyed gay marriage. We stopped gay marriage in Poland. Do you have gay marriage in Poland? No, we don't. I hope we well, won't. Well, that's a victory. So this is a victory. This is mm. one of the few countries in the world that does not have gay marriage. That's because of the solidarity of the Catholic Church. So you're always... Let, let, me, let me take... When I was doing this, doing this book tour, I would uh, talk about the situation in Poland. And I said, there's a movie. The movie in Polish theaters right now is The Lord of the Rings. Do you remember The Lord of the Rings? Yeah, I do. Remember do, this of course. story? 
Okay, there's Minas Tirith. Minas Tirith is Vienna. Okay, Denethor is the head of the, the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Denethor says the West has failed. I said, this is true. The West has failed. And then the Polish audience gets upset when I say that. I mean, you mean solidarity failed? And then I said, let me explain what I mean. When Denethor says the West has failed, that's not the end of the book, is it? That's the middle of the book. Yeah. And what happened after Denethor said the West has failed? What happened? The riders of Rohan showed up and they saved Minas Tirith. Who, what is Rohan? It's Poland. 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 Of it's course. Poland. <laughs> That's a fantastic comparison. <laughs> Thank you, um, sir. But you know, let's let's talk about. Uh, yeah, you maybe you're right because when I hear about this uh, Amazon synod and uh, I hear the stories that some unknown people came into the church and took this uh, small figures, whatever they put it there, they try to tell the Catholics that it should be there and throw them to the Tiber River and call themselves, um, uh, I don't know what, what they call themselves, uh, Christianos. Um, so I feel some kind of hope that there is a people who see this madness right. and they oppose it. There's always hope. It's because it's the church and that is the basis of our hope. The church will prevail. So there's always going to be a worm tongue out there. The worm tongue in our age is James Martin. He is spreading despair because he's promoting homosexuality. Everybody knows the Catholic Church opposes homosexuality. Why isn't someone doing something about James Martin? Why are the Jesuits allowing this to happen? Why is this happening? Well, I mean, you need theological perspective here. Why does God allow evil? Because he can bring a greater good out of evil. That's what we're seeing in our day, okay? And what we, the, the temptation is always a temptation to despair. Jesus Christ knew this, okay? So there's a parable in the gospel about Jesus Christ in the boat. They are crossing the, the Sea of Galilee, and suddenly a storm comes up, and the storm keeps getting worse and worse. And where is Jesus? He's asleep. He's asleep in the back of the boat. And so the, the apostles finally can't take it anymore. They go to Jesus, and they say, wake up, we're all going to die. Don't you care that we're all going to die? And Jesus Christ then calms the storm, and he says, where's your faith? Well, that boat is the church. Every, every church father said that. The boat symbolizes the church. The church will always be tossed about by storms because that's what it means to be in the world where the devil can travel around and stir up trouble. And the church will always be in that horrible situation where we're, we all think we're going to die until Jesus Christ calms the waves and then life goes on. That's the, par that's the paradigm that we have to have in mind when we we are confronted with the storms that are that are tossing the boat of the church around doctor do you think there is any um situation that might be a schisma uh inside a catholic church well the pope says there may be a possibility of it it's happened in the past we have we have a schism we have a schism schism that took place in 1988 when lefebvre archbishop lefebvre consecrated four bishops 
for the Society of Pius X. That created schism. Those bishops were excommunicated. So it's not something new. It's all there's always the danger that, that something like this will happen. But I mean, the, the church has overcome these uh, difficulties in the past. I don't see why they can't. The church cannot overcome them in the future. Mm -hmm. um, one last question about it. Um, you know, the Amazon Synod was just about um, they, they've been saying to us, especially a, a spokesman of the Vatican City um, was saying that was about ecology and all these problems which we have facing now. Do you think it was just like a cover up story? all the stories about climate change and ecology um, to just to simply push through agenda, which you're talking about, this homosexual agenda, LGBT agenda through a Catholic Church? Well, first of all, what is climate change and what is homosexuality? Uh, they are both revolutionary movements. That that's that the failure of the church is to fail to realize that these homosexuals are not just people with problems, with sexual problems. They are proxy warriors for the oligarchs who run the world. The United States, the United States of America is committed now to overturning sodomy laws in every country in the world. This is a revolutionary movement. The same thing is true of climate change. It's a revolutionary movement. We just did an article in Culture Wars. It's in the November issue of Culture Wars on Greta Thunberg and her whole connection with the Swedish energy sector. And the fact is that uh, when you, Sweden is a country that stopped believing in God, okay? It was a Lutheran country. The Lutheran church was disestablished in the year 2000. It became a socialist country, which is basically Christianity without Christ. And once you abolish the connection with Christ, you come, become an atheist country. And when you become an atheist, you're involved in irrational behavior, and this drives you crazy. So Greta Thunberg's mother said that climate change makes Swedes crazy. Well, it's not, no, it's almost like that. That's almost right. Atheism makes Swedes crazy. They're all crazy because they became atheists. And when you become crazy, you can't tolerate that situation. You can't tolerate living in a world without God in charge of it. And so you create these movements, these hysterical, apocalyptic end times movements. Why am I calling this an end times movement? Because Greta Thunberg is now preaching we have 12 years left. And then the world is going to end. And it's all because of carbon dioxide. This is crazy. This is a, this is a, a, a millennialist, apocalyptic end times movement created by crazy Swedes because they stopped believing in God. We need to have some type of balance and some type of perspective in order to put all these things in their proper balance and perspective so that we can really see what's going on. So read the, the November issue of Culture Wars. Yeah, I will. And, uh, but the thing is, I would like to introduce your works to our Polish public uh, because they are extremely uh, important from my point of view uh, and explaining a lot of um, things which has happened around us. Sir, uh, doctor, if you can explain to our viewers what is behind the term Christian Zionism? Christian Zionism was um, created uh, in the United States of America by a man by the name of Schofield, a Protestant, uh, who wrote notes to uh, the Bible, which basically abolished 
the whole traditional understanding that the Catholic Church is the new Israel and that the Mosaic Covenant was no longer valid. Now, Protestants always had a problem with understanding Israel because they don't understand the church. If you don't understand that the Catholic Church is the new Israel, then you're going to fall into the trap of saying that the old Israel is still in existence. And that's what Zionism is. Zionism was a basically a racial, a racist movement that arose at the end of the 19th century. The, the Jews wanted their own country because everybody wanted their own country, including Poland at this point. Poland did not have its own country at this point. There was this movement toward nationalism. The Jews got on board. Theodore Herzl, who is the father of Zionism, went to Pope Leo XIII, asked, maybe that was Pius X, Pius X, went to him and asked him for support. And the Pope said, no, you don't deserve your own country. You, you, you are no, you lost your anointing. You are the old Israel. We are the new Israel. We'll send people to convert you to Catholicism, but we're not going to support your country. Well, the Protestants didn't have a Pope. And so as a result, the Jews in America, I'm talking about uh, a man by the name of Untermeyer, who was a publisher in New York, a very influential publisher about the beginning of the 20th century, got Oxford University Press to publish Schofield's Bible. And this meant now the beginning of Christian Zionism in America. After that time, the Jews continued, they created proxy warriors among the evangelicals in America. They anointed certain ministers. Jerry Falwell was the founder of the Moral Majority. Menachem Begin gave Jerry Falwell a jet a private jet so they could fly around, not to go on vacation, not to fly to Miami Beach for a vacation, so they could fly around and promote Zionism because there aren't enough Jews in America to, to get anyone elected. They need proxy warriors and the evangelicals, the Christian Zionists are the Jews proxy warriors. And because of that combination, the Jews have taken over our foreign policy. Okay, they are the ones who they are the reason why the United States invaded Iraq and deposed Saddam Hussein. They are the reason why the United States is in Syria or trying to get out of Syria. They are the reason why the United States is threatening to go to war with Iran. The Jews, American Jews, are the reason why Iran no longer has a nuclear agreement. Three rich Jews did not like that agreement. They told Donald Trump, and as a result, we do not have a nuclear agreement. Three rich Jews control America's foreign policy. This is an intolerable situation, but it's only possible because of Christian Zionism. Doctor, why Donald Trump is so involved with uh, Jews and uh, Israeli politics? Why is he so leaning uh, towards it? Donald Trump was a real estate developer in New York City. Okay, you cannot do that without the permission of the Jews. They control the economic and political situation in New York City. So he rose to power. It wasn't promoting, it wasn't because of the Jews that he got elected. He got, because there aren't enough Jews to elect anybody in the United States of America. So he had to go to the people of places like Indiana, which is where I live, I was in South Bend when Donald Trump came to town. It was the biggest crowd in 
history in the history of South Bend, and it came out for Donald Trump because these people realize that we have two parties in America that represent the interest of the oligarchs and no party that represents the interest of the people of Indiana. So in this regard, it's very similar to what happened at Brexit in England. Okay. Now, as soon as Donald Trump gets to into office because of the people of places like Indiana, he decides we are not going to go with war with Russia. At this point, the deep state, the people who really control the government, declare war on Donald Trump. They try to remove him from office. Now, Donald Trump is now, what do I do? Well, he goes back to his experience in New York City in the real estate business. I need the Jews to protect me. I need the Jews to, to, to defend me against the deep state. And so he makes an alliance with Benjamin Netanyahu and the Likudnik party. Now, most Jews do not support the Likudnik party, okay? But these are the people that Donald Trump chose to help him. He made a huge mistake. This is a big mistake because these people are, will not support him. They will turn on him. But he made another big mistake is because he betrayed the people who voted for him. The, the Americans who voted for Donald Trump voted for America first. That means remove those troops from the Middle East. These troops are not serving American interests. They're serving Israel's interest. And so what we got instead, because of what I just described, we got the current American foreign policy, which is Israel first. That's our foreign policy. And that has le led to this confrontation with Iran which is a battle that Donald Trump cannot win. He knows that. That's why there was no counterattack when the Saudi oil refinery got blown up. At that point, John Bolton said, we have to go to war with Iran. And at that point, Donald Trump fired John Bolton. So that's, that's the short description of the situation here. Okay, sir, uh, last final question. Do you think that Donald Trump has uh, any kind of... Uh hope for the second tour so being second for the second time uh president of the united states yes i think the the fact that the democrats are trying to impeach him is a sign that they know they cannot win the election in 2020 because if if trump were as bad as they say he is all they have to do is wait one year and he will be voted out of office the fact that they are not waiting one year is a sign that they think he's going to be reelected. And I think there's, they're right. There is no Democratic candidate who can stand up to Donald Trump. None. And that's why they're doing this. In Michael Jones, uh, doctor, thank you very much for this interview. That was a pleasure and honor to talk to you. Um, and uh, thank you very much for your uh, knowledge, for your, um, for your uh, undisputable uh, truth about it. Uh, God bless you and all the best for you. Proszę bardzo. Dziękuję bardzo. I Michael Jones był pisarz, publicysta, był moim państwa gościem. To jest specjalna, to była specjalna rozmowa dla telewizji w Realu 24. Ja nazywam się Piotr Szlachtowicz. Dziękuję serdecznie za uwagę. Zanim się jednak pożegnam finalnie, przypominam o wsparciu finansowym naszej stacji. Jeśli uważacie, że takie wywiady, które teraz właśnie przeprowadziłem z Michaelem Jonesem, doktorem Michaelem Jonesem, mogą pojawiać się, powinny pojawiać się często na antenie naszej stacji, wspierajcie nas finansowo. Numer konta widzicie na ekranach teraz. Serdecznie dziękuję za uwagę. Kłaniam się niutko. Do zobaczenia, do widzenia.